Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 18 through 24, the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, and chapter 2, verse 5 through 12, the gospel according to Mark, chapter 10, verse 2 through 16, and Psalm 8. Open our minds, warm our hearts, but also bend our wills, for we seek to hear your word. Amen. (sighs) Life with my husband, Chris, is a dream. He's going to walk in that back door any minute and drop off our kids in a rush to get to his church over in Evanston. He says all kinds of amazing and remarkable things to me every day, and I to him. For example, I once told him that if he dies before I do, and he gets remarried, I will haunt him. Now, let's pretend for just a moment that I am a Pharisee, and Chris is Jesus. I'm sure he'd like to believe it sometimes. (laughs) This is a test. Now, Chris is a theologian, so he often does that Jesus thing where he responds in a really calm and gentle way. So when I told him, if you get remarried, I'm going to haunt you, He said, oh, my love, you won't die before I do. (laughs) My dad likes to tell a good Greek joke. Why do Greek men die before their Greek wives? Because they want to. (laughs) Now, in our gospel lesson this morning, Some Pharisees come to test Jesus, and they ask, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And Jesus basically says, sure, it's allowed. But from the very beginning of creation, from the very beginning, way back in Genesis, like Gordon read, people were meant were made to be together. So separating them in any way is going to be a very, very painful experience. And in Jesus' time, it was almost always the most painful for the woman because the patriarchy made sure that women could barely survive without a man to provide for her the basic necessities of life. Now, we are, in a lot of ways, in a very, very different time. But divorce is still a painful experience. And it's usually still the most painful for the most vulnerable one. That's why the old adage that you've heard many times, let's stay together for the children, is actually not an empty gesture. 
It's not a horrible idea. I bet you're all wishing you were at the 11 o'clock service so you could ask me about that. That phrase is just an honest recognition that there are vulnerable people involved who do not have a choice and who need to be cared for in the wake of broken promises. Children, as Jesus points out in our gospel lesson today, are often the most vulnerable among us. This past uh, year and a half has been really tough. There's been a lot of divorce in a lot of different ways. And a very dear friend of mine whose children I love deeply um, got divorced. And I saw her children really suffering. And so I went looking for something, anything I could say to them to make this better. And I came across a children's book. It's by Anastasia Higginbotham. And it's in part of her series called Ordinary Terrible Things. And the book itself is called Divorce is the Worst. It's got a big thundercloud on the front and a little child sitting there. I love this book because it's really honest. It helps kids know that it's okay to be mad and sad and confused about adult decisions that deeply affect their lives. Things that they have no control over. And while the freedom of divorce might be liberating for some, usually for the most vulnerable ones, it's the worst. When two people are joined together, when they decide to create things together, homes or memories or children, well, it's nearly impossible to fully separate those things and have them remain whole. It's okay to talk about this. This might not be the sermon you were hoping for this morning. But with half the people in our nation getting divorced today, wouldn't it be kind of ridiculous not for us to talk about this? I want to preach about St. Francis and loving all the animals. I do. But we need to talk about this. We need to know that it is okay to recognize that Jesus is saying to us today that when things are broken, they are not easily put back together again. Not easily. Jesus is reminding us today that when we separate ourselves from other people, be it through divorce or racism or classism or sexism or any of the other isms, 
when we separate ourselves from other people for any reason that we might separate ourselves from another person, we are not living the way that God intended for us to live, which is in harmony, in partnership with a helper, with all of creation. It is no accident that Jesus quotes the Genesis reading from this morning that we just heard. Same piece he pulls out. What God has joined together, let no one separate. Jesus wants to remind us that things are supposed to be put together, not broken apart. My friend Patrick Funston, who I went to seminary with, used to wear this t-shirt. He had a screen print of that beautiful Renaissance painting of Adam and Eve in the garden with the tree, you know, the one with the... And at the bottom of that painting, there was an inscription that said, God's original intention was to live in a beautiful garden with naked vegetarians. (laughs) And what went wrong? With more than half of marriages in the U.S. today ending in divorce, I think it's important for us to ask why. What is going on here? What is it that causes us to separate ourselves from one another? What difference among us is so irreconcilable that we would rather divorce ourselves from the reality of our differences than to try to restore our relationships? Now, don't hear me wrongly. There are some good reasons for divorce. There are. Now, I'd venture to say it's probably not half of all the marriages in the United States number of good reasons, but in some cases, the most vulnerable are actually best protected and cared for and shown love when the two who created them are separate for a time. Separate in search of wholeness and health and peace. This is important. The second part of that gospel reading can feel a little out of left field if you're not really paying attention. And some Bible commentaries that I read on on this passage basically said, hey, preacher, If you need an easy out, just focus on the little children part and just dismiss that old world problem that exists in the beginning. We don't have that anymore. Men and women are basically equal. Yeah. These two seemingly separate stories cannot be divorced from one another. Because while Jesus permits divorce through the law of Moses in the first part, he also reminds us in the second part that there is nothing, no status, no 
uh, innocence, no uh, division that could keep someone or something irreconcilable to God. Children are not out of Jesus' reach. He says, come to me. Come to me, little children. I will take you up in my arms and bless you. The vulnerable will not be forgotten, nor kept from the loving embrace of Christ. God is not just for the powerful ones who are gathered around assuming that they could justify themselves in challenging the realities before them. No, God is there for the little ones, the little children who belong, belong in spite of others' intentions to keep them out of the kingdom. We don't need all that mess, that vulnerability, that innocence. Remember how I told you I said I was going to haunt Chris if he ever got married again? Well, he actually gave a very kingdom answer. I don't know if he meant to or it was just the Holy Spirit moving through him again. But he gave the answer that Jesus actually gives to the church. Oh, my love, you won't die before I do. The reconciling love of Christ, it left nothing, nothing irredeemable, even death. Even death is redeemed in Jesus. In the light of the cross, we recognize that all human desire to haunt or disturb, they're thwarted. They're thwarted by God's mercy and grace and God's plan of salvation for all people. And we are Easter people, are we not? We are resurrection people. And as Easter people, we are confronted with the reality that God had a pretty good plan from the very beginning. Humans, co-creators with God, beloved, unashamed of who we were made to be, naked before God and one another, open to the possibility of abundant life. And God's kingdom will come again. We say that. Do you mean it? When you say it, God's kingdom will come again. We just need to decide, are we going to participate in that? Are we going to participate in the coming of God's kingdom? Human beings, I think, we were made for one another. No matter how much we separate ourselves, God is constantly finding new ways to draw us together into new relationships. That's why most divorced people get married again. Because humans weren't meant to be alone. We weren't meant to be separated or divorced or disconnected. 
We were made to be in relationship to one another. So today is a good day for us to examine our lives, to see the relationships around us that are broken, and ask for God's grace to restore and reconcile us to one another. This is a chance for us to foster new relationships of holy connection and communion, of oneness, an opportunity for us to say, if you marry again, let it be for love. I'll not haunt you. Amen.